0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. There are two words that we've heard ever since we were little children. They're the words that our mothers would say to us when we're going to play outside and we started learning how to ride our bike up and down the street. They're the words that a parent will tell their teenager when they first start learning to drive. Those words are, be careful. Be careful. And as much as we know those things are important in the regular everyday life, they are just important in the spiritual realm as well. One of the unfortunate things that we find ourselves in as a, as a culture, and many times as Christians in our culture, is that we're not too careful. Oh, we're careful about certain things. We're careful about maybe making sure that our children may attend a certain school versus another. Uh, we're careful that we take care of our finances. Uh, but when it comes to some of the greater things, we lack... tenacity that Scripture requires. We lack the discipline that Scripture requires. And this morning we're going to be taking a look at the importance of careful living. We're entering a new year this year, and as many would start, they have, many will start with a resolution, things that they would like to get done this year. Um, Others just give up on it entirely, they don't even care. Um, And unfortunately, what we ought to be concerned with is what Scripture wants from us. Those private, personal goals are important, uh, but they pale in comparison to what Scripture clearly reveals for us. And Paul here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15, says this, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You see... If we're looking at this text, we're going to be looking at specifically some of the words and their meaning. The word blepo is to see, to discern with a bodily eye, with a bodily eye, to be possessed of sight, to have the power of seeing, to turn the eyes to anything, to look at, to gaze at, to perceive by the senses, to feel, to discover by use, to know by experience, To have the power of understanding. To discern mentally, observe, perceive, discover, understand. To turn the thoughts or direct the mind to a thing. And this is really the way it's used here. To consider, to contemplate, to look at, to weigh carefully and examine. The present active imperative here, Lepete, you as the subject are to be doing it not someone else for you. This isn't a let go and let God action here. This is you by the power of the Holy Spirit are to do these things. Be careful how you live, not as a fool, but as a wise person. Henry Cloud states this, he says, the difference between a wise person and a fool is not about their position, their intelligence, or their talent. You see, it doesn't matter what position you have, that doesn't make you wise in a biblical sense. You can be over any group of people and still not be wise. You can be the smartest person in the room, in in your intelligence, but really be foolish with your life. You can also have tons of talent that others don't, but that doesn't necessarily make you wise. The question for us is, how do I know if I'm walking as wise and not as foolish. How do I know that I'm living carefully? The answer can be found in Proverbs. Now I want you to see if you can pick out the specific ingredient of a wise person that's described here. In Proverbs chapter 1 verse 5 it says this, a wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9 says, Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be he will be still wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 12 15 says this the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 17.10 says, Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. You can continually beat a fool, and they'll still do the same thing. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your later days. Or latter days. The main difference, have you caught it? What's the main difference between a wise person and a foolish person? The wise person learns. The wise person takes advice from others. The wise person makes sure to not follow their heart wherever it may lead. They don't just do what they think is best. They seek wise counsel. Now back in Ephesians, we see the word circumspectly being used. Circumspectly means characterized by exactness, thoroughness, precision, accuracy, in addition to the associated idea of looking, examining, and investigating something with great care and alertness. It pertains to strict conformity to a norm or standard involving both detail and completeness with focus on careful attention. In the context, it refers to ethical behavior with a focus on careful attention, especially regarding the dangers and deceptions that continually assault us from our mortal enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So when Paul is saying that we are to to walk circumspectly, he's saying that you need to walk precisely, with diligence, accurately. Our English word circumspect is from the Latin circum, which means around. To look and conveys the literal picture of looking around or figuratively being cautious. Believer, you're to live cautiously in your Christian life. One who is walking circumspectly is one who is surveying all circumstances and possible consequences before acting or deciding. Walking as a wise person includes the following part of the verse that we see here, redeeming the time. John Stock commenting says this, Paul's next little paragraph is based upon two assumptions. First, that Christians are Sephoi, which is wise people, not fools. And secondly, that Christian wisdom is practical wisdom, for it teaches us how to behave. His word for to behave throughout the letter has been a Hebrew concept to walk. Our Christian walker behavior, he has written, must no longer be according to the world, the flesh, and the devil, or like the pagans. Instead, it must be worthy of God's call in love and as children of light. Now he adds a more general exhortation to us to behave like the wise people he credits us with being. Look carefully how you walk, he writes. Everything worth doing requires care. We all take trouble over the things that seem to matter to us. Our job, our education, our home and family, our hobbies, our dress and appearance. So as Christians, we must take trouble over our Christian life. We must treat it as the serious thing it is. Be most careful, then, how you conduct yourselves like sensible men, not like simpletons. Christians that live carelessly are not following Scripture. Christians that think that they can just follow their heart are not living biblically. Is it possible that we're walking wisely in certain areas, but in certain areas we just don't pay attention? Let's throw some things out. Some of us are very well aware of the sinful culture that we live in. Are we aware of our own environment and how people are struggling with sin, even here in our local church? Like, the problem isn't just out there, church. It's here. It's in our midst. And unfortunately, what the church likes to do is condemn the world while pretending they don't have any sinful flaws themselves. This is what it means to be walking circumspectly, to be careful in how we walk. I know many in our church are not getting blinded by the news media and what it pushes on us, But my question is, are we exercising the same caution with the Christian advice that we get? You see, so many Christians, they, they, they get Christian advice that is really marred in worldly philosophy. It's mixed. And we'll read books and articles and things that friends will send us, and we'll go, man, that's great, I've never seen it from that view before, and not realize that it's from a worldly philosophy, twisting scripture. Some are so willing to help others with their struggles in life. Are we exercising the same caution in our own personal struggles? You see, a lot of Christians, they have a hero complex. They want to go help everybody else out. Do you exercise that same caution in your own struggles? You do realize that before you really can be an effective witness for Christ, you need to take care of yourself and what God's called you to. So many people want to go help the world out, instead of helping them, they join them. Because they haven't taken care of business with their own heart. Which is why the world so, has seen Christians sell out, rather than staying faithful to the Word of God. Some of us are constantly trying to make sure we don't provoke others. Right? Well, I don't want to say anything that will offend. Well, my question to you and me is, are we speaking any truth at all? You see, some of us, we swing from that extreme pendulum to the other one, right? Some of us were very passionate. We used to share things with people. We didn't care if we offended. And then time went on, and we decided that we care a little more of what people think. And now we don't want to provoke, so we don't say much. Is that the right response? Of course not. Isaac Watts once said, he said, Order my footsteps in thy word, and make my heart sincere. Let sin have no dominion, Lord, but keep my conscience clear. Now what are we seeing here in Ephesians 5 that Paul is getting at? It's because the days are evil, church. It's because there's wickedness that abounds. Active opposition to the good found in God's word abounds. God's good found in marriage is abused by the evil found in this world and the redefining of biblical principles. God's good in taking care of us is abused by the sinful desires of this world to attain more for ourselves than what we even know what to do with. Just keep grabbing more stuff, even though you can't take it with you. God's good and the value of life is abused by those who wish to terminate it early and refuse to take responsibility for their wicked deeds. I'm owed this right. It's my body and my choice. It's what a lot of our culture screams. God's good in providing wisdom is abused by those who actively oppose Scripture and offer cheap counterfeits. What blows me away as a pastor is the amount of times I see Christians that ought to know better fall for the cheap counterfeits. The ones that have been under incredible, incredible leadership in the church, been taught the Word of God faithfully for many years... They know better, and they fall for the cheap counterfeits. It is almost as if everything outside the Word of God is more appetizing for them, appealing to them, than God's Word in feasting on that. God's good in giving us time is abused by those that further their own agenda. Now, church, this can be done in many different ways. And this is something that I really, I paused and thought through this. What are ways that we can abuse what God's given to us when it comes to time? Well, a go-getter driven by personal success with no concern for the things of eternity can be one of those type of people. They're driven by money, status, getting things done. These are the typical type A personalities. They're driven. They want to get things done. And in the midst of doing that, they neglect what God's called them to. This happens in the church. You also have the seemingly balanced person trying to find more time for themselves. They don't want to work as hard as the driven go-getter. They simply want to be more balanced. But in wanting to be more balanced, is the balance there to serve Christ or themselves? And then you also have what scripture calls the sluggard. The checked out lazy individual who thinks everyone else is trying too hard, so they expect to coast through life without giving it much effort. That's the biblical sluggard described in the book of Proverbs. They're the ones waiting for everybody else to do the work for them. Now, any of these approaches can end as a waste of time. If live for personal desires. I'm going to do better for myself is not a biblical philosophy, believer. It's carnal and worldly. If you're living for you, you need to ask where Christ is in that picture. So many people want things to be better for themselves without any view of eternity in Christ. So many in the church have bought into that philosophy. Here's another phrase we've heard commonly You need to take care of you. Look, it only works if it lines up with what Scripture says. And what Scripture says about you may not be what you think of yourself. Let's be honest. Too many people think they're worthy of a lot more than they really deserve, biblically speaking. And this is really a tense thing because I know that in our church we have people that have a proclivity to different areas of this. Some are go-getters in our church. Some are more the, I want a balanced life. And then some are just kind of, they take it easy. They don't really want to do as much. And understanding that all three types can waste their time for God. It isn't as if the success-seeking person is really doing it for the Lord. They could be serving themselves. It isn't that the balanced person that goes, man, I've committed it too much, I've got to step back a little bit, is really committing that time now to read the Word of God more frequently. We need to be careful that we're not buying into the world's philosophies and then wondering why the end result is still the same no matter what we've we've shifted on. If God is not the priority in the plans that we make with our time, then we're wasting it regardless of whether we go the go-getter route, the balanced life, or just check out lazy route. You can do any one of those three and still waste your time for God. How many Christians can agree with Paul when he says, for me to live is Christ? Paul, what are your priorities to live for Christ? Paul, Paul, what else to live for Christ? Well, Paul, don't you care about people? I do. but I'm prioritizing Christ, I care for them. So in conclusion, church, here's my question to you and me. How careful are you in living? How careful are you in living. Do you find areas of your life that you're careful to be precise? I mean, some of you in this church are probably very precise with your diet, right? Like, you have to only eat these things. You can't eat anything else. It's got to be name the category. Some of you are very precise with your sleep. You you really can't hang out with people too late because it gets into your sleep time. So you're precise on that. You guard that. You also don't want to wake up a crank. We understand that. Some of you are very aware of the political landscape. You know what's going on. You could have predicted what they've owned recently. Over a year ago. That that PCR test isn't a valid result, whatever the concept may be. You can be aware of what's going on politically, but not be aware spiritually. Christian, you can be awake politically, but asleep spiritually. There are so many Christians that are way more aware of what the government's doing than what God's word says. It is almost as if they'd like to figure out the plans of the government, way more than they would like to figure out the plans of God and what he wants from them. So why don't we change the paradigm a little bit and ask the questions here. How careful are you in the following? These are things that Scripture tells you to be careful of throughout. Your friendships. Who do you spend time with? Who are you going to prioritize this year? Who are the people that you are going to gather with and they're going to encourage you in your walk with God, not discourage it? doesn't mean that you can't have a good time. doesn't mean that you can't play some board games. It doesn't mean that you can't have fellowship, have some coffee. We're not talking about that. But what we're saying is, are you going to be around people that are going to encourage your walk with God or are they going to discourage it? How careful are you in your reading habits? Are you getting a greater intake of worldly philosophy? than you need to be aware, believer, because you could be in trouble. Every faithful disciple of Christ should be aware of other material out there. But if they're neglecting the Word of God, they will now mess with the philosophy that's influencing their mind. They will eventually no longer hold firmly to certain doctrines of the faith. And they'll be easily swayed. How careful are you, believer, in your money habits, your financial success? Scripture has a lot to say about money. In fact, Jesus spoke on money a lot more frequently than people would like to realize. Because he realized that that's a condition of the heart that reflects what's going on inside. How you view money will determine many times how you view God, because you can't serve God or money. You can only pick one. You can't do both. Are you living with a selfish, selfish worldly view of money, or do you realize that God's given you that to be a steward on this earth, to manage on his behalf? Unfortunately, a lot of Christians struggle with money because they don't view money through God's lens, and then they want God to somehow miraculously pull them out of the mess that they're in because they refuse to listen to His advice, believer. How careful are you and I in our listening or watching habits? When was the last time you turned something off when it comes to music or movies? Because it was an offense to God, not just because you didn't want to watch it. Believer, how careful are you in your time? This is a whole premise here that Paul lays out in Ephesians 5. You're to redeem the time. That means take the opportunities that are presented to you. Are you the go-getter, the more balanced person, or the flat-out, checked-out, lazy individual? All of us have a proclivity to one of the three. Are you still living for yourself and not seeing the bigger picture? So if you wanna be that go-getter, why would you want to be that? What's your motivation? To accomplish more for the kingdom? If you're saying, look, I'm not that type A personality. I really can't be so driven. I want to just be a little more balanced. I've probably said yes to too many things. That I don't want to. But in stepping back and trying to be more balanced, are you trying to do more for Christ? Or is it more of, I just more, need more me time? If you're the lazy, checked out individual that doesn't care for any of the things that God's called you to, you've got other issues. You've got to start you've got to realize that God has consequences for when we don't even do anything at all. Believer, how careful are you in your personal struggle with sin? Most of us are aware of what we struggle with. But we're not aware of how to sometimes combat that sin that we struggle with. We're not thinking through it all some sins we've just gotten so used to committing there's no light at the end of the tunnel if you will so used to doing this I can't really stop myself so I'm just going to continue doing it and ask for forgiveness later listen many sins that we commit have triggers that move us into a higher probability that we will commit them again if you're aware of those triggers it would be best to cut them off if you can now what do I mean by that It could be an online platform that causes you to stumble, you cut it off. It could be friends that cause you to sin and go against your conscience, you cut them off. It could be a location that always gets you in trouble. The bar probably isn't your best friend if you have a drinking problem. That friend who tempts you to sin or violates your conscience is somebody you should probably avoid. I don't know why we're so shocked sometimes. If any of us have lived on this earth long enough to realize that we have steps that it takes many times to get to that sin. It isn't that you just go from zero to a hundred normally. There is a process many times. Church, I want to ask you and me to answer this one honestly. How careful am I in my commitment to Christ? How careful are you in your commitment to Christ? How alert are you when you go astray in your walk with God? I mean, let's, let's just take this last year. How many times did we walk away from the Good Shepherd throughout the year? Oh, well... Uh, With our lips, we were always speaking what we needed to, but our hearts were very far away. We knew what to say, but we were personally far away. How alert are you when you stray from the shepherd? Are you willing to be corrected by him? Listen, a good shepherd is going to correct the sheep when they do stupid things. He will do it through his word. Listen, believer, if you're not walking closely, the very thing you need to do is to dive into the word of God yourself. Let's remember that this last year, all of us, I think without exception, have had ups and downs in our walk with God. So you have a new year, an opportunity to start this year strong. Are you going to look back at last year and go, I already failed, so I'm not even going to try? See, this is where I've mentioned this early, and I want to be precise on this. We care about what we want to care about. And some of us, we care so much about, let's say, pursuing success in life, and yet in the spiritual life, we're very lazy. We put no effort into that. Some of us, we're just mediocre across the board, right? In our spiritual walk, we're mediocre. We're mediocre in the regular everyday life. We don't want to put too much effort into anything. And some of us, we just straight up check out in all areas, right? I don't need to read the Word of God. God will take care of me at the end. Listen, believer, if you are struggling in your commitment to Christ, you need to dive and drink deeply of the Word of God. You need to check your motivations for what you're doing, even for God. Because our heart is very deceptive. Oh, we think we're serving him for the right reasons, and many times we're not. Now, I got the opportunity to watch Gladiator with a couple of the young guys this last week. Came right back in town, and I know Noah's going away this weekend, so we decided to sit down and watch Gladiator. There's this one quote that captures Paul's exhortation well. When the General Maximus is rallying the troops before the battle, he says the following, he says, brothers, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Believer, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, you are to live for him, him who is eternal.